overhead, put it on real tight. Hope you brought your best tonight. They say they got the fireworks, yeah, they say they got the show. You're around the shoot, you're the best, so let's go. This is Texas Toast. I'm your host, Miss Helen. Kick back and enjoy as we toast the best from Texas. everyone. A big welcome to the Texas Toast podcast this week. I'm super excited to invent, uh, to uh, invent, invite <laughs> Bill Brush and Stephen Castillo from the Western Express. Hey guys, how are y'all? Hey, doing good. Doing good. Well, I had a chance to preview the album. Of course, your album is Lunatics, Lovers, and Poets. We're going to talk about some of those releases and it's coming out first part of August, like August 5th. That's right. Okay. And so what talk a little bit about production of that and about Stephen, how you wrote some of the songs, but let's talk about you two personally. Now you originally come from the Houston area growing up, right? Yep. Both what grew part? Up in Houston. I grew up in uh, West Sea, right, right in the Southwest part of Houston. Okay. Stephen's a little bit farther out. Yeah. I, well, I, I was born in Houston, but I really, I grew up most of my, my uh, childhood and adolescence uh, outside Nacogdoches, which is about two hours north of Houston, two and a half right, hours right. north. So. Yes. Because y'all kind of had the Houston roots, but it, from looking at kind of going through your family tree, as I, I always say, <laughs> I noticed that Phil, you ventured in the hill country and you, Stephen, did adventure over, adventure over into East Texas. But Phil, I want to talk to you. I was really intrigued that you were in wilderness education when you were in the hill country yeah i worked uh, and still do some work for a summer camp called echo hill ranch which was uh founded and is partially run now by kinky friedman texas uh luminary mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of odd and uh i took that to california and worked in utah and take, taking people backpacking and rock climbing and all kinds of stuff Definitely. that's awesome that's I'm not awesome. playing music. That's what I'd like to be doing. Yes. I'm a huge outdoors person in case you don't know. And yeah. so, so then how did you two end up reuniting and forming the Western Express? I know it was in, y'all both went back to Austin. Is that how that came about? Yeah. Well, we, Phil and I met on Craigslist That's in, right. in March or April of, of 2018 and started playing music, music together right away. And then about a year later, we sort of broke off from what we were doing previously and started the Western Express and it was a pretty small outfit at first. It was just Phil, me and, and another guy playing guitar. And we were just kind of playing those sort those types of gigs, little trio gigs around town, you know, for the first probably four to six months, maybe a little bit longer that we were together. So. So y'all just got out there and just started playing everywhere you could play. Just grinding. <laughs> I think that that summer, I mean that in 2019, I, I was playing like, 20 shows a month or something all in Austin and just trying to play as much as possible, get as good as possible, meet as many people as possible. I mean, I, I think Phil and I both kind of started this around the same time in 2018 and Phil had a few more connections than I did, but I really, I didn't know anybody in the music scene here. I, I didn't know bar owners or bookers or even other musicians. And so we really kind of had to just dig it out of the dirt, you know, from the beginning we had to be, you know, good enough that people would take notice and want to book us again, you know. Well, y'all y'all done very well. And so <laughs> how many others are in the band with y'all? When we're at full capacity, we, we have a six piece band uh with uh 
harmony vocals and, and guitar and also some lead vocals from our friend Angie and then drums, steel guitar and electric guitar. I play the bass. Stephen plays uh, electric and, sit and sings most of the lead. Uh, when we're lucky, we get a fiddle or sometimes, you know, keyboard guy come in too. We, we, we love a big band as, as often as we can, as, long, as often as we can have one. Right, right. I, I love having a big band. We can afford it. When we can afford it. <laughs> true, true. Because you worked really hard on your album, again, Lunatics, Lovers, and Poets. And is there a story behind the name of that? Yeah, there is. It's, it's from uh, Shakespeare, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, Theseus is talking about how the lunatic, the lover, and the poet all have some, kind of a similar imagination. They're all kind of, their imaginations sort of run away with them, you know, all at the same time. And for me, it's, it's a nod to um, mental health, kind of the lunatic aspect is mental health and something that uh, has been a, a struggle in, in my life at times, something that I've been an advocate for. And then, of course, the the lover, the poet, you know, that kind of fits in pretty well with, I think, country music um, aspect. And I, I really just loved, I loved that that whole little chunk uh, in that in that Shakespeare play, and, and the, you know, the, the monologue that Theseus gives there. It just it really resonated with me. And I, I, the minute I read it, I knew exactly what the title of the record was going to be. <laughs> wow, that's a great story. So let's talk about where you recorded. And I know that you had a lot to say about your um, producer, John Evans, and talk about going into the studio and how everything came together for y'all. Uh, yeah, I mean, so John has been a childhood hero of mine since I was a kid. Um, he and my mom grew up together in South Houston and has been a family friend of my extended family for a very long time. Uh, and when I was growing up, my Thanksgiving was a hundred people in a band out, out in the woods of East oh, Texas. Wow. And John used to bring his band. He brought his band every year for, I don't know, 12 or 15 years along, you know, quite a while they would come out and play every Thanksgiving. And, you know, all the cousins, my age, or my, my generation, you know, we all thought John was Johnny Cash, you know, I mean, he, we just, we had this kind of like bigger, you know, larger than life idea of him. And, um, and so over the years, you know, I've touched base with him a number of times over the years, just like, Hey man, you know, I've got some, I wonder if you could give me some advice in the music business or, you know, songwriting advice. And he's always been really generous with his time. And, um, when it came time to record the record, he was yeah, incredibly generous. I mean, with us, I think, but just, he just took care of us. He knew that we had not ever done a, re made a record before in any kind of real capacity. And, Phil and I were very comfortable giving him the reins and where I think we're both very glad that we have, or that we did that because he, we, we needed someone who could guide us through what it takes to make a record and make a really good one. And, um, I think we, we've never once questioned that decision. We've always felt very, very thankful for the touch that John put on the record, you know? And just to think how special that is, thinking about, you know, do you just sharing this story going back to your childhood and family Thanksgivings? And then this man takes you in the studio at this point in your life and you record this amazing album, which I understand that you wrote most of the songs on a trip to West Texas. Yeah, but it's probably half of them. I wrote, I, I'd written about half before I went on that trip. And then I went out to, I drove to Tucson to see one of my best friends and then, yeah, hit the West Texas desert on the way back and it was just really inspired by the desert. I, it was the first solo road trip I'd ever taken. And, um, and it was a long one, you know, it was a long way to Tucson <laughs> and back. 
And, uh, and I really, I, I, I enjoyed the solitude and the quiet of the desert in a way that I think I wouldn't have, even if I had gone with like a pal or, or a girlfriend or something like that. And I found the quiet and I found inspiration, you know, through that. And, and, um, so yeah, then about half the songs came, I guess, after that trip, you know, and, and I have before, um, and that was a, it's pretty formative for me. Did you have, I, I know that, you know, you have the certain tracks that are on the album. Was there tracks? I know a lot of musicians go in the studio and you're like going through that, like birth and the baby process. Like which one did we pick for the album? Or were you pretty set on knowing what actual, what songs were going to go on it? <laughs> That's, I love this. I love this story because I, when I first went to John, I was like, Hey, what if we could do five songs, right? Like five, five felt like a good number for me. It felt like something we could tackle and, I didn't, again, I knew nothing about creating a record, you know, at that point, very little. And, and John said, well, how many songs do you have? I was like, I don't know, maybe eight, you know, nine, I don't know, something like that. And he goes, well, send me everything you have. And Honky Tonk Saints did not, from my perspective, when I first sent in the first five, Honky Tonk Saints was not on that list. I did not see it as, as like having potential for like a single or even really to make the record. I kind of thought of it. This is sort of like a kind of silly novelty song, I think is how I kind of looked at it, right? And then, um, so then John was like, send me the rest of what you have. And I put them in numerical order, the order I thought they were should be prioritized in. And I put Honky Tonk Saints at eight, I think, you know. And, uh, one. <laughs> and yeah, right. And then we got in the studio and John was like, dude, you got to put this song on the record, you know. And now it's the first radio single. Um, so it just goes to show, you know. Yeah, so I've got your seg. Yes. Go ahead. Yes, it is your first radio single. So, let, yeah, let's go ahead and take a listen to Honky Tonk Saint. Just another step or two. Let's spin on the floor with you. A kiss on the lips underneath our light. Salvation on a Friday night. Just another drink or three. So now tell me the backstory. Everybody's kind of got to take a listen to it now, but basically you're writing about some of your heroes. Yeah, that's right. I, um, so I, I, I got, I mean, I, I grew up listening to country music. I was born in the early eighties and, you know, grew up in just rural areas, almost my whole upbringing with very few exceptions. And I grew up on, you know, eighties and nineties radio country. You know, I, I knew every George Strait song from the 80s growing up. I had the greatest hits, you know, on cassette tape. I listened to every Garth Brooks record that came out, you know, up to the year probably 99 or 2000. I just knew every word to every song. And um, those are my big influences. But then as I got older and got more exposed to, you know, older country music, like Hank and, uh, and Lefty Frizzell and, you know, all those kind of those kind of people, they were the ones that I started that kind of later on in life started having more of a 
kind of a formative influence. And so when I wrote Honky Tonk Saints, I, I took my experiences playing church music growing up, which I did for a very long time. And then I was like, okay, so I had church, I had the honky tonk. Like, what if the honky tonk were church? You know, how would we, how would we take communion in, in the honky tonk? Or how would we, you know, what would our praise songs be, you know, in the honky tonk? And, um, you know, and then I was like, okay, well, who are the heroes? You know, in the church, we have the saints, St. Saint Luke and St. Mark and St. Paul and all these kind of saints. And it's like the heroes of the honky tonk would be the saints, you know. We're, we're gonna we're gonna get rowdy and go honky tonking tonight, and we're gonna do it under the under the blessing of all the old honky tonk saints, you know. So wow, just kind of the, the metaphor kind of got away from me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, that's an awesome testimonial there. Yeah. So, Phil, who, are, Phil, who are some of your musical influences? Oh, I mean, the North Star is Willie Nelson. He just kind of yes. points the direction of what to do and how to do it. And- <laughs> Try to learn a little bit from his mistakes without making them ourselves. <laughs> he certainly made pretty much every mistake you could probably make in the book. I mean, given both have poured through his uh, It's a Long Story book many times. Many times. Uh, his biography. And, and I mean, yeah, I've been fortunate to have uh, a little bit of a relationship with Kinky Friedman, and, and he's been kind of someone, too, of just... Mm-hmm. Someone who does exactly what they want to do in creating their music and their art. And that's been an inspiration from childhood and then just continuing even to this day and getting to work with him. Uh, get to do some stuff with him next week. And every time I get to do any kind of work with him, it's like a little dream come true for my little 10-year-old self. Wow. And, uh, yeah. I'm fortunate. To, and Stephen... Get, gets me into the, you know, that some of that George Strait, I didn't quite know all the, all the album tracks and some of those George Strait albums. And I'm like going back like, oh, mm, that's pretty nice. <laughs> Y'all two are such a pleasure. Well, digging some more into the album, I want to briefly discuss, I'm just going to throw out, I really um, thought it was so soulful, enjoyed Flower of the Rio Grande. It just kind of stole my heart. That one did. Um you know, so, I mean, and I love how it switches things up because then you go to you and me and the neon. I mean, I'm so ready to go dancing, but one I want to talk to and we're going to take a listen to it is trust me. You can't trust me. Trust me, darling, you can't trust me. I'll feed you words so sweet. They'll write out all your teeth. Thinking maybe you can fix my shit and turn this mess around. Trust me, darling, you can't trust me. I'll feed you words so sweet, they'll rot out all your teeth. Trust me, darling, you can't trust me. Like a melody when love is all you see. 
if you can't get going from that song, then you, you need to go to church. <laughs> it's like that is the funnest song I've heard in a long time. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. So tell me about that one. Did you write that one on your trip or was it a quick write? It was uh, it was before the trip. It was it was a while before the trip, actually, okay. like maybe a year and a half. Um, so the beginning of right before I met Phil, the beginning of 2018, I wrote kind of a suite of songs that would become half of which became the record. The other half we played until I wrote something better. Um, <laughs> and I, I went through in a very short period of time. I wrote a suite of songs that in very, I mean, just really kind of a remarkably short period of time. The inspiration was just coming. And, and it was coming so fast that sometimes I felt like I couldn't keep up with it. And I had written several. And one day, the hook for Trust Me kind of went through my mind. Trust me, darling, you can't trust me. And I, and I was like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. No. Like, I'm not going to write that. <laughs> and so, but three days later, it was still ping-ponging around yes. in my brain. And yes. I, was, I finally just got to the point. I was like, fine, I'll write it. Like fine. You know? So now it's ping ponging around in my brain. Good. Well, that's good. And I that's guess that's what's gonna happen idea. to everybody. I'm telling <laughs> you, everybody, when you get a hold of this album, I mean, all of them are good, but I'm just I just I enjoyed that song so much. And then okay, so I get to the end. Yeah. I get to quesadilla mama. Yeah. And, yeah. and my guy is like, Are you still up? And I'm like, hold up. Oh, no. he said, I gotta get up early. I said, "Oh no, you're not." I I swear, the woman with hair up to God holding a tortilla. I was looking at the backstory that y'all had kind of sent out. It doesn't get any better than that. Tell me, tell me, let tell me all about. Yeah, it. well, that was it's funny. That was another one where the hook just went through my head. I, I, um, I had this friend uh, Jess who lives in San Antonio, and and one day in the summer of 2019, she had gone to eat Mexican food or something, and I think she sent me a picture of her plate and said, "Can you write me a song about a quesadilla?" And exact, I mean, almost identical to the way it was. Trust me. Immediately, the hook. My little quesadilla mama seat just immediately was in my head. And I was like, I knew better by that point on, you know, in my writing career. I was like, once the hook was there, I was like, I'm not going to try to avoid this. And I think I wrote it in like an hour or an hour and a half. Um, it was just, it just came to me so fast, so fast, you know. Well, I'm so glad that she sent you that picture and asked for you to write a song about it. Cause I'm telling you, that's such a gift. And I bet that goes over good at your live shows. Have you put that out for the, uh, at your live shows yet? Oh yeah. Yeah. We actually, we used to close shows with it for uh -huh. a while. I can see that. Yeah. Like that summer, I think it was like kind of the fresh song I'd written. So like everybody liked it close the show with it. Someone <laughs> came from Blanco the other day. We played in Blanco and someone came and said, we really want to hear that quesadilla song. <laughs> and they hadn't listened to it. This is from their memory. It's, it's not just, like yeah. they have a recording of the right, song. Right. It's like, we want to hear that one again. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm telling you, Stephen, 
can't bury this in the set list. We've got to put it out there. It's got to be. People want to hear this thing. Yes, yes. It's amazing. So you've got back to, I want to make sure we make everybody aware. Um, how Are you releasing to Texas radio, your Honky Tonk State, or is it going, where are you releasing that to as far as radio? So... We're, we're starting with some Americana radio promotion in this mm-hmm. early part of the fall. And I think as the album drops and we keep getting some traction and doing some more booking out and around Texas, then we're going to look more into some Texas radio promotion as the fall goes on into early winter. And maybe even with some new singles that we've, we've got a few songs that will be on the next record that are, uh, yeah, that are, we think are pretty good too. So it could be, could be one of those songs as well. So do y'all have a, a lot of shows coming up. Anything like that's kind of standing out for you as far as your tour schedule? Well, we have a, we're playing the Broken Spoke on the 4th to promote the record. And then I'm pretty excited. We're playing at Flores Country Store on the 7th. On oh, the nice. That's oh. just one. Once again, it's like I've seen Willie there many times. And it's nice to just begin that journey and, and get out to Flores and, on Sunday and start working our way up there. And we're planning a little tour potentially to Nashville and back in September. So we're getting all the dates locked in there and dance halls and breweries and showcases, every kind of gig under the sun. We're looking forward to get on the road too. Certainly. Yeah, we've got some good dates. Phil's been handling the booking since we started and he's done a great job. I and mean, we're, he's gotten this, I think that, that September tour I'm excited about. I mean, we're playing again, kind of like floors. It's like, it's great to start the journey in some places that we really have admired and wanted to play and seen our heroes play. Like I think we're playing Continental Club in Houston and Hernando's Hideaway, Dale Watson's place in Memphis. Yeah. Um, we've got a, a, a one date in Nashville during Americana Fest, which is, which is wonderful. It's a uh, woman, India Ramey, who we, we, when we showcased South by Southwest this year, um, she, had, she, we were on the same bill with her. And so kind of built like a good relationship there. And, and so we're partnering with her again when we get to Nashville. Uh, in, in the middle of September. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're, I feel really excited about what we have coming up with live shows. Um, and again, Phil's done an cre- incredible job, you know, handling all that. So, yeah, that's, that's some would, good spots. Yeah. We would work with a booking agency though. <laughs> yeah. I would, love, I would love to pass that. I think Phil would love to pass that off to someone we, else. We'll, we'll, we'll get, we're going to get there pretty soon. I think. Yeah. So. Yes. Yes. Y'all will. Well, it's, it's been, um, so enjoyable just getting to know you and then finally getting to visit with you and so of course again the new album comes out august 5th lunatics lovers and poets we've talked about some of the music and listened to it here and y'all have just been um you're just such a jewel y'all y'all just keep up the good work and where can um everyone find you on music platforms or your website for more information we're on all the streaming platforms uh the the video for flower of the rio Grande was just released not long ago, a couple, maybe three, four weeks ago, and it's on YouTube. So we'll have, we've got that up. We also have a video for Honky Tonk Saints coming that will be released on YouTube the, the same day as the album release. August 2nd. Oh, sorry, the second, not the same day. Yeah, a few days before the release. Um, really proud of both of those videos. I don't think neither of us had ever made a music video before. <laughs> now, what was that like for y'all? I mean, it, was, it was incredible. Like, here's our vision. And then once we got to working with good people, it was it was great to see the see it come back afterwards and see the, all the yeah how they could highlight people dancing and sawdust on the floor and flower of the Rio Grande we went out to the Devil's River so this kind of majestic scenery out there so we were lucky and 
even from the first day of the second, just keep learning. I'm like, I'm already ready for the third. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, thank you so much. Best of luck to y'all on everything. Everyone say thank you to the Western Express because I am. Thank you guys so much. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One more thing, you know, before I let you go, Phil, if you were a cocktail, what would you be? Oh, an old fashioned. Steven. Does it have to be a cocktail? Can I just no. be, can I just be a Jameson oh. shot? There you go. That's, that's, that's it. That's <laughs> no, it. I didn't know that. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Phil and Steven from the Western Express. Thanks for having us, Ellen. Well, there you have it. Another great episode of Texas Toast. If you've made it this far, just wanted to say thank you to all of you who have been listening and spreading the word about us. If you'd like to support the show, whether it be through sponsorship or by subscribing on YouTube or by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be great. Anything and everything helps. We're just getting this thing rolling with no end in sight and have some incredible interviews lined up for all of you. And with a heavy tongue, she knew where I was from As she left, I dared to say well, You can go to hell And hell, I'll go to Texas I've had my fill of every place but home Well, take away these city lights Put me on a one-way flight I'm leaving out of here tonight Just consider Southern draw, my swagger on my sway. Yeah, these old boots, all this cowboy.